Welcome to The Dad Presents. Make sure you're following the show wherever you're listening. And wherever you are out in the world, spread that love and liberty. Let's go. Hey guys, we got a great interview today. Dr. Molly James, you've seen her on the show before. She's wonderful. She's been fighting for your right for medical freedom. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Fighting for your right for medical freedom. Fight for your right to party with your body how you want. Now, got to tell you, love Dr. Molly James. She's fantastic. About 30 minutes into this interview, some weird stuff started happening. There was just like this mysterious ringing going on. I don't know where it was coming from. I investigated everything during the show and after trying to figure out where this ringing was coming from. I still have no idea. It wasn't my phone. It wasn't the computer. I don't know. Maybe the ringing was the ghost of Kiev. Don't know. Maybe it was my dead ancestors reaching out from the great beyond. Can't possibly know. Might have been God. God called me once before. Back in college when I was at a Catholic university, Duquesne University in Pittsburgh. Go Dukes. I was having some sweet, passionate relations with my girlfriend at the time in my dorm room. And there was this noise that started coming through the walls. And it really spooked me. And and, and it, it spoke to us through the walls. And it said, Matt and Christy, this is God. What are you doing in there? So I don't know. Maybe this ringing was God. Now, at that time, my buddies later told me that it wasn't actually God calling us. thought it might have been. But what it was was some jealous, lonely jagoffs in the next dorm room over who were jealous that Maddie boy was getting some female attention. So they put their speakers up against the wall hooked it up to the karaoke machine and pretended to be God and spook us. Bunch of creeps. That's how college is. Whatever. So God was not speaking to me, but wouldn't surprise me if it was God. God reaching out, trying to help this lost soul because God knows I need it. Now, anyway, Dr. Molly James, she handled the interruption like an absolute champ. She powered through the interview with, without even being phased. She was amazing. Like She just acted like it didn't even happen. I was all phased. I was all flustered, getting all red. She's a professional. She knows how to deal with a ragtag operation like this one, but it happened. I can't edit it out. It was too complex. It is what it is. Listen, ignore the ringing, take in her knowledge. It only lasts for about a minute, two minutes. Just pretend it didn't happen. Just focus on Dr. Molly James. Now, before we play the interview, got a bit of exciting news to share with you guys. Well, first of all, I'm going to be speaking at the event for medical freedom in St. Louis in about two, three weeks that Dr. Molly James will tell you about. So get your tickets and come meet your boy. Come meet your boy. Let's hang out. Let's get to know each other. Let's do some uh, medical freedom experimentations on each other. But other good news, Joe Biden's Inflation Reduction Act has passed. <laughs> Woo! Inflation is over, you guys. Back to normal life. Now, what's in this bill? They're spending $350 billion to fight inflation. Now, I don't really know how printing and spending money that they print helps fight inflation when printing money is literally the definition of inflation. That's what inflation is. Inflation is money printing, injecting money into the economy. So how you fix a problem by doing the problem, I don't know. But I don't know because I'm dumb. I'm not as smart as Joe Biden. I'm not as sharp as Joe Biden. I'm not on my ones and twos like Joe Biden. I'm sure he's got this all worked out and it's going to be glorious. He's going to fix the world. Inflation gone. Let's celebrate. Now, how is this inflation reduction $350 billion spending bill going to affect your family and kids? Let's check it out. Let's see what's in the bill. Let's see here. Okay. So there's $80 million will be spent on the IRS. That's weird. Oh no, I read that wrong. It's $80 billion will go to the IRS. $80 billion going to the IRS to, to reduce inflation. That's interesting. 25% of the overall bill is going to the IRS to deal with inflation. That's strange. How does that fight inflation? I don't know. I don't know how it fights inflation, but I do know that this is going to give the IRS more employees. They're shooting to add close to 100,000 new IRS agents. 
And that's going to give them more employees than border control, plus the FBI, plus the Pentagon. So there's going to be more employees at the IRS than the FBI, the Pentagon, and border control combined. So that's where our government's priorities are. They're going to police your bank account more than worry about the border or uh, threats abroad or, you know, very interesting. That's where their priorities are. Okay, fine. What else is in the bill? What's it say here? Says, uh, oh, some of these funds that are going to the IRS are going to be used to pay farmers not to farm. That's pretty interesting. So there's 80 billion is going to the IRS and the IRS is going to use some of that, I assume, to audit you and your mom. And some of it is going to go to farmers to tell them to stop growing crops. So if farmers stop growing crops, it seems to me that there will be less crops grown, which means less food, right? And from what I understand about the world, we got some food shortages going on around the world, don't we? So this seems like it will make it harder and more expensive to feed our children. (laughs) I mean, that's what it seems like to me. But again, I'm fucking dumb. I'm a dummy. So, you know, I obviously have this wrong. I'm sure paying farmers not to farm crops is going to give us much more food at a much cheaper price because Joe Biden, he knows what he's doing. So thank you, Joe Biden, for, for helping to provide good quality, nutritious, cheap food for my children and children all over America. <sighs> Buckle up, guys. Buckle up. It, shit's been weird since 2020. Shit's been weird since 2016, right? Got weirder in 2020, and it's about to get weirder. It's getting weird. Buckle up. So let's get into the interview. But first, got a couple words from our sponsors. As you know, we now have two sponsors. We're making that money. If COVID caught us one thing, it's that the government is filled with lying blood-soaked monsters. If it taught us two things, it's that having a healthy immune system is everything. It's everything. When you know, we just found out in Orange County, freaking polio is back. Yeah, monkeypox spreading all over West Hollywood. COVID's still around. You gotta have a healthy immune system. Now, if you caught COVID and you were a healthy person like me and my family, you got better in like two days, maybe a week. I don't know. But you but you're not dead. We got better here in like two, three days. My kids were better in about four hours. Okay. We eat healthy, we exercise, we take vitamins. Now, if you went into COVID and came into it with, you know, obesity and diabetes and asthma and 17 other cofactors, you might have had a hard time with it, whether you got the or not. You got to get your your immune system right. You got to exercise. That's the most important thing. You got to exercise, keep your body strong, and you got to eat right. Stay off the empty calorie junk food and the fast food. Get yourself a nice fat steak and some greens. And number three, you got to take the right supplements. Your body needs all kinds of stuff. And no matter how well you eat, you're not going to get it all. You can get everything you want in one supplement from zstacklife.com, from Zelenko Labs. You get the zinc, you get the vitamin D, you get all the shits. You get them all in one supplement. Go to zstacklife.com slash the dad zstacklife.com slash the dad for get 15% off and get that Z stack, get your immune system strong and beat all these wicked diseases that the world is throwing at us right now. Zstacklife.com slash the dad. 15% off. Our second sponsor, our old standby, expressvpn.com slash the dad. If you don't have a VPN blocker by now, look, man, look, we got another 100,000 IRS agents coming to get you. You know they're going to be looking at what you went to on the web. You know they are. 
protect yourself, protect your kids, protect your wife, get a VPN blocker immediately. ExpressVPN.com slash the dad, protect your privacy, protect your information. ExpressVPN.com slash the dad, three free months, y'all. There is no reason not to sign up when you get three months for free. You get to month four, it's not working for you. Cut it out. Don't get charged a dollar, but do it. All right, support this show, support yourself, take care of your family. Now let's get into the show. Dr. Molly James is with us today. Uh, Dr. James is the founder of the James Clinic. She's a board certified surgeon practicing critical care. She was on the show back in February and she was sharing her experiences treating thousands, thousands of COVID patients, I think. And that show was taken off of YouTube the same day. Um, We can't confirm why YouTube took it down, but my best guess is that YouTube hates truth and they want you to die. But you can still listen to that show on Spotify or iTunes. And now she's back with us today. Guys, we are constantly talking on this show about how all of us need to whine less and like try to do something to fix our world, like take action, be the change that you want to see in the world. Dr. Molly James is one of those people doing just that. She's actively trying to change the world. She has organized the Gateway to Medical Freedom Conference in St. Louis to fight for your right to make your own medical choices. And I I can't think of anything uh, much more important than that basic right. Your boy, Jay Maddie from The Dad Presents, I'm going to be there hosting a forum. It's going to be wild. I hope all of you can can get down there, join us. Dr. Molly's going to tell you all about it. Now, um, Dr. James, we scheduled this late last night. Um, I had some partying that needed to be done last night, so I really didn't get a chance to... This is going to be the first ever podcast I've done where I didn't prepare a single question. So we're yeah. just going to, we're going to roll. So I guess cool. my first question is, yeah, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm great. Thank you very much. I'm getting fired up. I'm about ready to head to Ireland with a group from the Global COVID Summit. Um, we are actually going to help the Irish doctors put together a chapter and help fight against some of the tyranny going on over there. So wow. um, it's kind of a crazy time to be seeing patients in the clinic and getting ready for the conference and then having that slipped in at the last minute. Um, was an opportunity I just couldn't say no to. Yeah. Have you been to Ireland before? I never have. So yeah, yeah sweet. Me neither. I mean, we, we've, we've been all over the world, but I've, I've not been to Ireland. It's on the, my, my wife, her favorite thing to do is go on Instagram and find cool vacations and then tag me on it and say, you know, you got to take me here. Like as if, as if I make unlimited money, she's trying to spend all of it, but she really wants to go to Ireland. Yeah. Seems amazing. And that's, that's cool, man. This is a fight that the whole a uh, world has to take on. So, so good for you for doing that. So what, um, what was the impetus to start this medical freedom conference? What, what motivated you? Why is it so important to you? Yeah, that's a great question. So I started, I kind of affiliated with the global COVID summit organization last fall. I spoke first at their Florida event in Ocala, Florida. Um, you know, the free state down there was a great place to launch that. And I went to a couple of other events that they had Kansas city, Indianapolis, I was supposed to be helping plan Nashville and at the last minute missed out because I got sick. Um, So I've been kind of involved in that process from the beginning. And I wanted to have one in the heart of St. Louis because I knew uh, we've got Boeing here that's impacted. We have airline headquarters. You know, I was affiliated with two different healthcare systems that fired me. So I I joke that I'm an overachiever because I didn't just get fired once. I got fired from three different places. you know, so and, and wait, 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 fired from three different places. That's all because of like your COVID positions. That's all a, a direct result of this. Yeah, that was My all goodness. a direct result. Yep. So in New York, um, where I went to volunteer, by the way, um, 18 months after that, they took away my hospital privileges because I didn't have a vaccine passport, a vaccine card. Um, so that was that one. Um, one of them in St. Louis, a virtual one where I would have rounded from right here. So my patients were at just as much risk as you are sitting there. Um, they wouldn't give me a, an exemption, a grant me a religious exemption, um, to, to treat people virtually. You couldn't do that. Correct. Oh God. Yes. And then, um, the third job, I actually got the religious exemption, but I would not go along with their discriminatory policies of mandatory testing for people working under an exemption instead of under a vaccine. Um, so within 30 days, I lost all three jobs. I had been working double time for 18 months, um, and opened my own clinic. And like you said, um, I ended up treating 2000 patients for COVID in the ICU under the NIH protocols, 
Um, you know, what I wanted to do was often blocked by pharmacists and medical directors. And it was kind of an escalating Isn't process. Isn't that wild? We, we, we saw that, like I had personal experience with that, where a doctor will write a prescription and this, I've never seen, I work in medicine. I've never seen this in history. A doctor will write a prescription and the pharmacist will say, sorry, no, fuck you. I can't do that. That's yeah, wild. That is I wild. That. And even more of a fuck you was I had a patient on ECMO. So heart lung bypass, the cardiac surgeon was okay with ivermectin. The infectious disease doctor was okay with ivermectin. I wanted ivermectin as the intensivist. And the pharmacist told me the COVID committee would not approve it. So there is nobody in a hospital that utilizes more resources than an ECMO patient. They're one-to-one, they're continual, um, you're continually circulating their blood through an oxygenator. Um, so that was kind of where things peaked out a little bit. Um, so yeah, 2000 patients under that, about 1500 or more died. And then my clinic has treated about 4,000 as an outpatient, different population granted, but we did have very sick people coming in with stats in the sixties and seventies. We were able to treat wow. the majority of them at home. Um, we would get them home oxygen. We would get them the protocol. Most of them are doing well. A handful of them passed when they got to us really, really late. Um, but we have a very good track record. And for that, you get punished and 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 lose jobs for having a wonderful track. Sixty five percent. That's that's super low. Anyone who knows anything about healthcare, sixty five percent oxygen. That you're in, you're in big trouble. Um, yeah. Let me ask you. So, so your stance that you've taken has cost you a lot um, professionally. So, like I've had doctors on here, like Doctor Peter McCormick. His career has been destroyed, and then the media will come out about doctors like you and say yeah. that you're you're in this for the money. And I'm yeah. like. And the count, the obvious counterpoint is what money, like these people have put their career on the line. They've lost their careers for something they feel passionate about. Like the, the lies just don't stop. So my, I guess what I, what I'd like to know from you is you'd like, you lost these jobs because you would not get the vaccine. You, you cited a, a religious exemption is, is religion the reason you wouldn't get the vaccine or do did you not trust them? Like, why did you decide not to get the vaccine? And where did you find the resolve to, uh, and the fortitude to be, to stand so tall in that belief that you're willing to walk away from a job? Yeah. Yeah. For the people who call us grifters and things, it's really funny because I had like a guaranteed double salary for a physician income, right? Cause I'm working two full-time equivalents to go to running my own business with 10 employees and making sure payrolls met every, every pay period. So, um, the people who say that, you know, they're actually defending these multi-billion dollar companies that are yeah. killing killing people. It's like, so mind blowing to me. Um, you know, I think all of us, we just hit a point where we say, this is my line in the sand. Right. And I remember I was driving back and forth between Iowa and St. Louis. And I said, I'm not putting a goddamn Q-tip up my nose for the right to work. Like that's where I'm drawing the line. That is not, there's no public health reason to do that. That is not based in any kind of, that doesn't help anybody. People who got the vaccine were sick all the time. That was when that was starting to pick up. Yeah. And I'm like, if a hospital cannot properly use evidence-based medicine and public health uh, strategies to protect people, I can't be a- affiliated with them. And that's just where I came. And then it came down to the wire. And the way it happened was very, very unclassy. I was supposed to be at work at 6 p.m. on a Tuesday. And they called me at 4.30, 5 o'clock and said, you don't need to come in tonight. So wrong. So messed up. Uh, doctors like you, you, you're, you're brave. Um, and you're doing a great service to society and one day society, hopefully, uh, you know, history's written, written by the winners. Hopefully one day society will look back at doctors like you and be like, wow, these people were heroes. Um, but right. Cause right now you're just, you're taking a beating, beating in the, in the public square. And it's, it's disgusting to me. You mentioned going back to what you said about, um, the pharmacies and they would not fill it. You said something about COVID committee. What is, what does that mean? These, these uh, pharmacies have committees on COVID. So this is in the hospital that I'm talking about. These are still okay. when I'm in the ICU. And so what they said is that any treatment had to be quote approved by the COVID committee. Hmm. So if you had a COVID patient and they didn't want you to give something, it was just not approved by the COVID committee. There were no names on a letter. There was no personal accountability. I didn't know who was on the COVID committee. I was never given the option to present data to the COVID committee. I was never asked to be on it. None of those people were rounding on my patients. Wow. Um, so it's just this black box entity, the same people that were giving vaccine exemptions, right? The committee 
is going to look at it, but no doctor is going to put their name on a letter because then they have personal accountability when you come back and they have liability. So it's just another sham that the hospitals are using to skirt their responsibility and get by with things that are illegal and unethical. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's interesting. They don't, you don't even know who's on this committee. Um, not taking the vaccine based on principle makes Mm -hmm. sense. Like you, this, you, you don't, you don't think it's necessary and you're not going to be coerced into doing it and you're not going to coerce others. That makes sense. But it did not take long until evidence started coming out that not only were they not necessary, but they seemed to be doing some harm. Uh, the, the, uh, to quantify it is hard, but there is harm being done. That's very clear. And they've gone to incredible lengths to cover up the harm to not have like they are, they still talk about these vaccines. Like they've not harmed a single person. That is just outright. That's a lie. It's dangerous. It's unethical. Yeah. So my religious belief is just a deeply held conviction that these are evil um, and should not be taken. Um, You have concerns about fertility. I'm a female in that age range where that's certainly an issue. Um, I knew they weren't necessary. I knew I had natural immunity um, and that the shots would actually harm that. And what people forget is all sins go to the ICU first, right? Every bad thing that happens in a hospital, the ICU is involved in because that's that's where we take care of the critically ill people, right? Mm -hmm. So as, as early as March, 2021, I had a patient who had had natural infection, was told to wait 90 days to get Moderna and within 24 hours was in with a cardiac arrest. So I had been seeing these, you know, pile up. And if you actually talk to patients and you start to connect the dots between what they were coming in for and when they got their shots, you're, I mean, you're just, your mind is blown. Um, In the cardiac ICU where I was working, we had five patients on ECMO at one time, July, 2021, as things were picking up. I'm sorry, on ECMO, what's? ECMO, extracorporeal membrane oxygenation. So it's a heart-lung bypass machine. Um, so five was unheard of and four of those were post-vax injuries wow. and nobody was talking about it. Wow. wow. One was it- a, yeah. One was a six month Pfizer fail that came in with a COVID infection and ARDS. So they told you it protects you from, they, they said it protects you from infection first, right? Infection mm-hmm. transmission. And then they said, well, it doesn't do that, but it keeps you from getting seriously ill. Well, that was a lie as well. And I knew that very early on. Um, because all these people were coming in, they were coming in with blood clots and myocardial infarctions and blown mitral valves. Um, so we were seeing this. So there, there's no way in hell you were going to put this needle in my arm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. When you're, when you're, especially when you're seeing it firsthand like that. Um, yeah. I, I remember it was, uh, I think it was Dr. Pierre Corey was on the show and he brought this up, um, that, and this is information coming from insurance companies that they were seeing a record number of deaths of supposedly healthy people between the ages of 18 and 49 that they've never seen before. And they had no explanation for, and that started in quarter two of last year, coincidentally, right about the time of the vaccines. Now that I I put out as just a clip because I thought that was pretty significant. Of course, that was taken down right away. It got, it got uh, tens of thousands of views, like very quickly that got around and very quickly they stomped it out. That was information they they do not want discussed. I, I was there was no claim made. He was not claiming it was the vaccine. He's just saying here, here is when the vaccine came out. Here's all this data coming from insurance companies. They made a point to stamp that message out. Yeah. Athletes all over the world are like falling down with heart attacks. I don't recall that ever happening in my life. Um, and now at least out here, most of the people I know now, now this is anecdotal, but most of the people I know who are getting sick with COVID this time around are vaccinated people. Then you have the statistics, um, like 2020 or was it 2021? I think it's 2021 was the first year in modern American history that the birth rate declined, which makes no sense because we were all locked up with each other. You know, when you're, when everybody's (laughs) locked at home, there's going to be a lot of you Not a be, lot to do. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be trying to make a lot of babies. So for right. that to be the lowest just makes no sense. Like all of this added up together, it doesn't take a medical person to look at that information and say, hey, something's fishy here. Yet nobody in the media outside of Fox News has even like looked into it. Yeah. Like are, it makes you think they're all on the take. I don't know. My first warning flag was in a hospital, I never... I never say good things about treatments, right? I always say 
this is probably going to help you. Some people have an adverse effect. So here's the risk and here's the benefit. That's how we talk yeah. about everything. And all of a sudden, these signs are everywhere, safe and effective, safe and effective. I'm like, this isn't how we talk about things. We've had other products that were EUA, right? We had convalescent plasma. We initially had remdesivir. And we were we had to do special consent forms and special permissions and special education to give those things. But all of a sudden, the vaccines come through and like, they're just rosy and we're all closing our eyes. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you didn't think that was enough, then they're kept telling pregnant women they're safe and effective. And yes, go ahead and get them. Like you never give anything to a pregnant woman. So what about um, historically? Because I don't know other vaccines. Do they come out with the messaging of safe and effective? Has this been something that they commonly say about vaccines or is this like a new campaign? This is a brand new campaign. I mean, I would have to go back and look at other vaccines. But if you think about like Gardasil, right, most of these things that are direct to consumer advertising on TV has the disclaimer, like could cause this, 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 and this and call your doctor. And if you notice, none of these shots are advertised from Pfizer and none of them are advertised from Moderna. These are all our tax dollars funding public health departments Mm -hmm. that are boosting the vaccines. So they're getting around the advertising laws. They're getting around the EUA laws. Um, and I actually have, um, Ed Dowd was kicked off of Twitter, I believe, because of that life insurance data that you're talking about. He's mm-hmm. actually committed to come to our event. He's going to do a virtual, um, but he's going to come and share his data on that. And I just got word of another whistleblower that we're trying to get to come talk about, um, hot. New data. Yeah. So Fantastic. we're going to cover not just medicine, but some other components to the, the scandal and the tyranny. Yeah, I saw I saw that you're going to have some military people. Um, mm-hmm. We we seem like we might be on the verge of World War Three. It sounds bizarre to say, but we're in conflict with Russia. Now you got this business with China going on. It almost it almost feels like some people in our administration want World War Three. Um, you know, a lot of money is made from war. Well, OK, so there you go. But at the same time. We're getting rid of fighter pilots and Navy SEALs who don't want the vaccine. Perfectly healthy young men who don't want the vaccine. We're getting rid of them. Like It seems like we're putting ourselves in a very bad position. Uh, who's coming to this conference from the military and what kind of things will they be sharing? Yep. So um, I don't have all the names right now. Some of them. So I do have uh, Lieutenant Colonel um, David Trombley. He goes under the, they all go by their call signs. So I'm trying to remember their real name and their, their title and their rank. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes by T-Bone, U.S. military, retired fighter pilot, um, flight instructor. I've got Captain Tom Stewart, goes by Jaguar. Um, he is a CH-53 flight instructor out of Whiting's Field. Um, we've got another Air Force Aerosmith Aerospace Engineer um, that was recently separated. We've got a number of other people who are in the military who are being removed. So what's happening, especially in aviation in the military, is people who wouldn't take the shot were deemed not combat ready and they were grounded. But then the people who did get it are losing their medical clearance because they're having all these complications while they're flying planes and flying helicopters. So they're grounded too. So I always think about, I don't know anything about the military or war in general, but I remember the theory that you don't kill the enemy, you maim them, right? You disable them because then the healthy people have to take care of the sick people. Mm -hmm. And if you think of that as a strategy and this is a bioweapon and you put two and two together, it seems to be a pretty effective strategy. So they have some pretty stories to share. Yeah. I mean, then we're getting, you know, we're getting into Alex Jones conspiracy theory territory, but on surface level, like logically that makes sense. This came from China. We might be going to war with China and we got a lot of people who can't participate in this war because of what happened in China. Weird. I don't even want to think about it because that that's creepy and scary. Uh, you said Trombley. Um, that sounds familiar. Is that the, is that the guy who was all over Fox news? He got shit canned cause he wouldn't get the vaccine. Um, I, he might've been on Fox news. That might be Nick Cooper. Um, he was on there. He was 19 months and or 19 years and 10 months in two months away from retirement, I believe. And um, he was kicked out and he needed the benefits for family members, mm-hmm. like the, the medical benefits. So it's um, amazing. They, people- they talk about how, how, you know, we got to love our troops, protect the troops, uh, take care of the troops. Yeah. And then you take someone who's been in the military for 20 years serving the country and just kick them to the curb. Sorry. Sorry, bud. 
That's, that's insane yeah. to me. Um, you mentioned you were talking about the the campaigns um, for other vaccines. Uh, I, I I do know you know that the for the one for um, girls for uh, what do you call it the cervical warts? What's that called? Gardasil. Oh, is that the one? Okay, yes, I've, I've heard. Yes, mm-hmm. that does come with a laundry list of side effects, and you you do hear that for any medicine on TV. But you mentioned that Pfizer hasn't really been doing that, and it's because if you think about it, they they don't need to. Like they have CNN. CNN is twenty four seven advertising for them. And I hope at some point somebody digs into this and uncovers like the financial incentives of the news media and government and how we got to a point where the, both the media and governments became complicit in helping a corrupt company. Pfizer has paid more fines than any other company in American history for fraud, how we got our media and government to be complicit in helping a company like that make ungodly amounts of money. Yeah. They've clearly infiltrated our government. Um, I believe, I don't want to misquote, but I believe somebody said that um, big pharma is 75% of all corporate advertising and marketing. So if you think about TV and radio ads, I can't even stand to listen to the local news anymore. When I go home to my family's house, it is a 30 minute vaccine commercial. Um, It's just, it's ridiculous. And if you look at Paxlovid, um, again, one of the most dangerous drugs ever used, and we're bypassing physicians so that pharmacists can just dispense it to people without a prescription, without any kind of medical evaluation, without any kind of follow-up, um, without evaluating other medications, looking for those 30 classes of drug interactions. We can just give out Paxlovid. Um, this makes no sense. Clearly, our agencies are captured. Our FDA approved these for emergency use against all kinds of objections and lack of data and misinterpretation of data. The CDC has flipped and flopped more than the Javiana's company has, I mean, they just, they're not consistent at all. They're not They're The CDC is not um, concerned with Americans health anymore. They've become an arm of the democratic party. That's very clear. Now, uh, Paxlovid. Okay. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I don't know much about it. Um, my family, we took ivermectin for a year. It was wonderful. Um, we, we flew all over the world three times. We traveled around the world. We never got anything. Um, no vaccines. Um, my wife is vaccinated, but the rest of us anyway, um, but that's not true. I got the, I got one J and J shot, uh, in the summer of 2020, but J and J doesn't count anymore. So I'm still unvaccinated. Um, because I was, I was confronted with the same thing you were. And I was like, well, for me, it felt like uh, J&J was not this mRNA technology, mm-hmm. um, and this was a way I could keep my job, get the one shot, get it out of the way. Um, I, I did a lot of research, and my uncle is a CEO of a hospital, and I crunched the numbers for the danger. Anyway, I decided to get it. Mm-hmm. It knocked me down for five days. I got COVID later. COVID knocked me down for about a day and a half. Like <laughs> The vaccine was far worse than yeah. COVID. Anyway. Yeah. Back to Paxlovid. Ivermectin protected my family. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced of it. Mm-hmm. From my understanding of Paxlovid, it's kind of, isn't it similar to Ivermectin or no? It has one. So Ivermectin has like 20 plus mechanisms of action against COVID and uh, a spike that's been proven. Okay. Um, COVID, I think, shares one of them in common, um, but it's also a repurposed HIV medication. Again, has all these drug interactions. And now we have what's called rebound COVID. So when you take it, it's ineffective. So then when you stop taking it, your COVID is still there or comes back. And that's what happened um, to the president. Yeah. Having a president, having a Fauci. So oh, you having know, a Fauci too. Yeah. Having a Fauci, which is ironic because Fauci has been going around for two years saying you can't take off label drugs for COVID, right? Like he's been bashing everything in sight. So what mm-hmm. does he do? He takes back Paxlovid off label for COVID because the second round has never been quote approved or studied. Oh, wait a minute. Paxlovid is an off-label. It's it's not primary use is not COVID. It's for something else. It's a few rounds. So the first round is covered, right? That's under EUA. But there's no second round that's ever been studied, approved, or anything. Mm. So he's taking it off-label. Okay. So Paxlovid is, it is an antiviral. Is that correct? Um. Again, I think it falls in a repurposed HIV medicine. I don't okay. know what the antiviral properties are. Um, I honestly have ignored that for the most part because I didn't need it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's much more expensive. I can get ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine for any of my patients. They were doing well. I yeah. had no reason to even venture into this, this drug. That's, that's the wild thing. And that should alert, put anybody on high alert. The fact that I was under the impression it's an antiviral. So if it is an antiviral, that's essentially doing the same kind of things that ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine are doing, but those are generic drugs that are super cheap. So the the government's going to say, no, don't take those, but you should take this one, which is way more expensive and puts those profits into the pockets of the people who, who put out these vaccines. I mean, that's, that's on its face. It's just so, so obvious. Um, yeah. So you never, you never got into it because there was just no need because ivermectin was working for you. Yeah. And I use, I use, um, a combination of those two. I use an antibiotic and I use a cholesterol medicine called phenofibrate. Um, it ne- binds the spike protein and neutralizes it. So, you know, in my message to anyone out there, who got a shot, just please don't get any more. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's the best decision at this point. You can't go back. A lot of people did this for various reasons. They thought it was the best thing. They did their research. We now know with time that all the complications are dose dependent. So if you're doing okay and you haven't, you stopped getting them, that's your best protection forward. Yeah. And I know, I know a lot of people who are like three, even four doses in, um, who have like chronic sickness now. Um, I I know someone who's had a cough for about five months and the doctors don't know why that is. And I can't help but think that could be related. Like what else has changed in your life? Like there's just so much that we don't know about these vaccines yeah. and, and, and then still this, these people will be lining up for the fifth shot. Like yeah. are people, I don't know, are people not able to make logical conclusions or are they just so trusting about what government tells them? I, I, it doesn't make sense to me. Like when I got that first shot and it knocked me down, I'm like, okay, I, I did my research. I took a calculated risk. I made the wrong decision fool me once. You're not going to get me again. Right. You know, that, was, that was it. Um, you, you mentioned, um, that Paxlovid might be, a an AIDS repurposed medicine. And I learned something interesting this past week about Fauci that, um, he was the one pushing AZT on people during the AIDS crisis. And AZT was originally a cancer drug and they stopped using it for cancer because it was killing more people than it was. It was killing people faster than the cancer was killing them. So then he started pushing this drug on AIDS patients, which they don't do anymore because it was killing the AIDS patients. So that right there, like that's corrupt. This is clearly a man who is corrupt. Either he's the worst doctor of all time, or he's getting money from, from companies to push these drugs. And it's just been able to be covered up for, for 30 years. It's shameful. And, and I guess my question, have you covered any of the financial ties? So what's ironic is Fauci gets a royalty for any vaccine that's licensed. Um, I'm sure he's got other financial ties as well. I don't know them specifically, but the CDC is invested in vaccine stocks. Um, mm. That's actually where a large portion of their money comes from. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. So I know the government has a, a partial ownership of Moderna, mm-hmm. but you just said the CDC is invested in, in vaccine stock. So their income is dependent upon that. So there's a massive financial conflict of interest. And then if you look at the FDA, how the FDA is funded, it's funded by drug companies who are seeking them to approve their products. So there's, again, another conflict of interest in that process and how that works. Yeah, I understand the conflict of interest about the FDA. I I, I was not aware of the the CDC being invested in in these stocks. Do you have like a, a resource we can send people to to, to I'll try to find you one after this? Because um, I read that a while ago, so I haven't. Yeah, I'd have like a lot to put that. I'd like to put that in the show notes. That's that's pretty that's pretty mind blowing that yeah. they could get away. I mean, that's like Nancy Pelosi's husband is the greatest stock trader in world history. Just. Just a coincidence. She just happy happened to marry the greatest stock trader of all time. It has nothing to do with her information. Yeah. Wild. Um, absolutely wild. So where are we right now with number one, COVID? Mm-hmm. Um, and number two, this this movement for freedom. Are are we getting closer to to achieving freedom or are we getting further away from it? You know, I hope we're getting closer to achieving it. 
Um, I think people need to realize that this is a virus, right? The virus is the topic of the day that we're all talking about, but this is overall more of a takeover of our American way of life and our American constitutional freedoms and values. So um, moving from an individualist perspective to a groupthink perspective, you need to do what's good for the group instead of good for best for you. Um, you know, meritocracy versus you just need to contribute to the whole, um, all of that taking away our liberties one at a time, right? It's just a mask. You're just going to close your business. It's just this. It's just that. Well, no, nobody can tell you to wear a mask and they don't have the data to back that up. They really haven't had the data to back any of these requirements. The problem is they kept us, they caught us all when we didn't have solid footing, right? Because they pretty much took our foundation of our way of life out from under us by closing our schools and our businesses and stopping our life as we knew it. So we're kind of off kilter to start with. And then they throw all these mandates at us. So you're just not, you know, you're not sure, right? We, we thought maybe the masks were helping. And originally I was, if you go back and look at any of my social media, I was telling people to wear a mask because I was watching horrendous death in the ICU every day in New York. So it's like, if, if that can prevent this, what I'm seeing, it's totally worth it. Obviously it doesn't. And now we know we have more and better data. Mm-hmm. Um, So, but this, you know, when you create an emergency that takes away your civil liberties and the government takes away your civil liberties, it perpetuates the emergency, right? So they've never actually ended the emergency state from COVID. Do you really think there's a COVID emergency happening right now? Like, are we hearing that our hospitals are flooded and there's, there's more COVID right now than there was two years ago, but it's mild. It's mild. And they're trying to, they're trying to pretend it's an emergency. The LA times wrote an article just like two weeks ago stating how this is the worst strain yet. Well, factually it's the most contagious and a lot of people are getting it, but calling it the worst strain is just disingenuous because literally nobody's dying from it. My wife works at a hospital. It's not, it's not killing anybody. Um, and, and what you, you were talking about, um, you know, taking away the freedoms and it's just this, or it's just that, Well, it's never just wear a mask or it's never just get this vaccine or it's never just stop working for a week. Like when you try to centrally, and this is the whole thing with with libertarians like myself, when you try to centrally control a population, there's always, always, always going to be failure because it's it's an impossible task. Even if you have good intentions, which I don't think these people have good intentions, but even if you do, you're going to fail. And look at us now. We have record inflation and we're in a recession that is not independent of the decisions made during COVID. Correct. Not in any way. And so, so we've got on the one hand, we've got the COVID crisis, right? And now we have a climate crisis. So if you look across the globe, they're saying farmers can't do this and can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and impairing our food supply and re- overregulating our food supply. You've got the gun crisis, right? So they're trying to grab our guns, which is what makes America us. Um, so you've got this creep in a lot of different directions and it all ties into the same thing, right? Um, we have in China, so they have a social credit score, right? So you Mm -hmm. have to have an app on your phone or something like that, and it has to be green in order for you to conduct business. And so what they did is protesters went to get their money from the bank and they flipped their cards from green to red and said, you're contagious with COVID. It locked them out of their bank accounts. They could no longer move about. I mean, this is a very slippery slope we're on well, in the United States. Every, you know, I remember when when we were talking about digital passports in this country, and some of us, I'm sure you, this show, were very loud, like sounding the warning bells, like this. That is the end of everything. Um, and and uh, you know, so many of my friends and people we know are just like, well, what's the big deal? Like, you have the paper card. What's the difference if it's on your phone? Well, that's the difference. Is China? That's that is a COVID passport. That's the repercussions of it. They take yeah. your money away. Uh, yeah. Canada, we have the same kind of things going on. Like, that will come here. People like you, and and what you're doing with this conference and trying to raise awareness. If people don't listen to you and people don't get brave. All that will come here in California. We just had another emergency declared for, for the monkeypox. Um, nobody's dying from that. They declared an emergency for it. So Gavin Newsom is never giving away his emergency powers. I don't know what they intend to do with that, but it's going to be nefarious. Uh, the influ- the, 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 um, the inflation reduction act that Joe Biden is passing, they gave something like there's something in there, like 80 billion to the IRS as well as they're requiring registries for anyone who has a holster 
for your gun. I don't know what that has to do with inflation, but so they're going to use the IRS, it seems like to me, to go and take money from the middle class, get more control, and then also go after people who have guns, I guess. Like, why else do you need that information? So people, people need to get your message. Have you been having success in general, connecting to the general population, or is the general population trying to feel you're a nut job the same way the, the media makes people like you out to be? It can go one of two ways, right? First of all, I'm completely censored. So I'm off, I'm blocked on Twitter. I've been blocked on Facebook for 30 days for sexual content and nudity. So yeah. Um, so that's what they're doing now. Instead of just calling it like you're talking about medical stuff that makes us look bad. Um, I'm shadow banned on Instagram. So it's extremely hard for me to get the message out from people that I'm not just directly talking to. Um, there's kind of two pockets of people, right? There's the people who have been deeply affected by it, who are very committed to the cause and are talking till we're blue in the face like you, like me. Um, and then there's people who doesn't really affect them yet, right? They're like, oh, well, I can work and I just have to do it. That's a test the problem. People are yeah. comfortable. They don't they're care when they're comfortable. And until it, if, you know, what do we have to do? Do we have to have empty food and starving people and dying we're gonna go. before it's critical? Like we need that critical mass of people now so that we can stop it now. And I don't, I think that people in the United States totally take our way of life for granted. And they think that it's mm-hmm. just always going to be that way. And they not, they don't realize that everything we do now, who we vote for our election fraud, you know, making sure all of these things are in line are really critical, getting critical race theory out and getting all of this racist, hateful nonsense out of our schools and out of our lives is really important. And speaking truth, right? Speaking truth and not playing pretend. We have people playing pretend that if I think I'm a boy, I can tell you, you need to call me a boy. That's not mm-hmm. real. That's not reality. So we need to speak truth. Or, and- or saying we're not in a recession, it doesn't make it not so. Correct. Yeah. And we need, we need to be building more resilient people who it doesn't matter what anyone say, it says to them, they're going to be able to move forward and function and thrive in society, as opposed to creating a group of wounded people who are offended by pronouns. Like yeah. this is not contributing to a productive society. It's not. Um, I, I don't know what age your kids are, but my, my kids are in uh, middle school and the pronouns are everywhere in California. My son says, Almost every girl in his school uses one of these alternative pronouns. Um, You mentioned um, Facebook and them silencing you. Like they are clearly, this is like people talked about, I'm not going to get into a Trump debate. I don't defend the guy. I didn't like particularly like the guy, but people called him a fascist. We are now dealing with real fascism. When you have companies like Facebook working in conjunction with the government to put their message out and silence people who disagree with the message. Our page, we had 70,000 followers. Our page was permanently banned after interviewing Dr. Corey. Dr. Corey is a perfectly qualified doctor who treated thousands of COVID patients like yourself. They took us down for sharing an interview with a man who has experience and shared it. Okay. I got a lawyer, took 45 to 50 days. We got it back up. We had the page back up for one day. One day I shared a funny meme about Hillary Clinton. She's there with Bill and she's like signing a piece of paper. And the joke is that she's, um, it says, uh, Dear world, I'm so sorry for the pain I've caused you. I've decided to take my own life and alleviate you, signed Gilzane Maxwell. They permanently banned my account again for fake news, for an obvious joke. So yeah. they're, they're not interested. They're, they're working in conjunction with government for that message. For Pfizer, this is it's that is fascism. That is what fascism is. And you nailed it when you said that people, people are just comfortable and so they're not paying attention. People are lazy, and until it affects them, they don't want to do anything. And I don't know what to do about that because soon it's gonna affect everybody. Food shortages will be coming. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what to do either. I mean, this is the same thing like January 6th, the prisoners are dealing with, right? I mean, and to be honest, it doesn't affect me. So I haven't been involved because I don't know what to do. But now we have Simone Gold, who's in prison right now. She is an educated professional woman with a misdemeanor going to prison for 60 days. Like this is a two-tier justice system, right? Who is, who is she and why, why are they putting her in prison? So Simone Gold is an MD with a JD. So she's an attorney slash lawyer. Um, she was an ER physician, one of the, the founding frontline doctor. She's She was the one on the courthouse steps in front of the Supreme Court that did the declaration 
Yeah. She's the head of that organization. Okay. Um, she was there January 6th to give a talk. Um, she was arrested for trespassing. I believe she pled guilty to a misdemeanor in prison for 60 days. Meanwhile, we've got BLM rioters who are burning down buildings, who are destroying cities, who are fighting against law mm-hmm. enforcement, who are killing and murdering people and raping people that aren't even ever ch- charged. Mm-hmm. They're completely let go. They, yep. I mean, there's no defending this. No, no. And, and, I used to waste a lot of airtime and a lot of my energy pointing out these obvious hypocrisies. It's mm-hmm. it's pointless to point out the hypocrisies because they're so glaringly obvious at this point. Either you you see them or you don't want to see them. And and part of that is people are very tribal. And that's where the presidency of Donald Trump, I think, was did a disservice to this country in that people hated him so much because of his tweets or the way he would talk that they are willing to believe anything as long as it's on the other team. Yeah, I think that too. And I wasn't a big fan of his in the beginning. Um, he's a little crass, right? Um, he's, he's not a politician. Um, but I also, I listened to what he, and I'm not defending him. We don't have to get into that, but I was listening to what he said one day. And then I listened to the media replay it. And when I heard how badly they had misconstrued what he said because i'm like i listened to the real thing that's not even close to the meaning it's completely out of context that is not what he said like mm-hmm. i was furious because i'm like no wonder people don't like i mean if if we took what we're saying that's and we true. turn the context all the time you can I'm make anyone unlikable yeah you can you make can. anyone unlikable if you own 95 percent of the airwaves yep that's that's a fair point that's a fair point yeah. he didn't so, do himself any favors but that's a fair point for sure correct yeah. Um, and also as somebody who gets beat up quite a bit, you know, you punch back oh, and yeah. then you look bad. You know what I'm yeah. saying? You, you, you punch down and it's like, why did you lose your cool? Mm-hmm. It's like, right. well, I've taken a thousand hits and finally had enough. So I get that too, but yeah, it, the division is the problem, right? Because if you look at the rules for radicals, it's divide and conquer. It's isolate and bring them down one at a time, which is what they're doing to us as physicians. And the counter to that is uniting. So I want people to unite together. I want them to look not to what we have in different, but what do we have in common? Yeah. You know, a belief in God, a value system, and try to come back together so we can fight this together. Yes. Uh, you said it right there with um, divide and conquer, like, I started sounding the alarming the alarm bells years and years ago about identity politics because that's exactly what it does. And and you will see now we're at a place now where there's even infighting with the left because when you introduce these identity politics, you force people to identify with a group and see other groups as the other. And that and that just can get broken down into smaller and smaller and smaller things instead of, like you said unity trying to find what do we have in common with these people and that's what america used to be a melting pot we were a melting pot so it made us strong like they say our diversity is our strength that's not really necessarily true what may what makes us strong is that we are all kinds of people who united under one belief system which we've now lost um okay monkeypox is here now um, California, like I said, is a state of emergency. Have you seen any monkeypox cases? Do you have any opinions or any idea of what's going on with monkeypox? So um, I don't know. Um, I am f- vaguely familiar with it. I haven't seen cases. I've ha- I've had people reach out and ask me to treat, but there's no state of emergency that allows us to treat over state lines for that like we can for COVID. So I have not seen that personally. Um, I think people need to be aware of a few things. Number one, it is a double-stranded DNA virus. It is slowly replicating and a vaccine is not going to help. Um, we don't need that. We need to isolate people who have open pox lesions and have them not make direct contact physical contact with other people. Um, so that's number one. Uh, number let's, two- let's stay on number one for a second. Okay. And then give me your own. You said a vaccine won't help because it's a double DNA virus. Can you explain DNA that? Virus. Yeah. It's um, so it's not going to mutate like the, the um, COVID, the coronavirus did, mm-hmm. um, but you just don't need to vaccinate for it because it's spread by prolonged direct physical contact. Right. So if you remove yourself from physical contact with somebody who's sick, you're completely protected. So transmission via clothing or blankets or things like that is, seems to be very limited. Okay. Yeah. So it's easy to contain, easy to stop, treatable, non-lethal, 
extremely painful, right? Because the transmission non-lethal. Right now, it's it's non-lethal. Non-lethal. They say 10% death rate from out of Africa. I believe that's a different strain. Um, right now, this is men having sex with men. So this is an extremely painful air, lesion in areas that are extremely sensitive from photographs that I've seen in the educational materials. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, something easily treatable. Um, you have public health agencies like the CDC making a mockery of themselves by telling people how to have sex with monkeypox. Yeah. Interesting. They shut down, they shut down the entire world for COVID and, and send everybody to target, but we could, you know, do a lot for the world by putting out the message, you know, Hey, stop with the, stop with the gay anal sex and this, we can knock this thing out pretty soon. And they won't even put that message out. Like you could put it out more eloquently than I just did, but they won't even, they won't even go near that message, which I find very curious. It is. And I think that the great unknown, right, is this seems I've heard a reputable person. I'm trying to think who it was um, talking about the very interesting. I believe it was Meryl Nass, um, the very interesting spread. It's now in multiple continents and it's spreading fairly quickly, um, which raises questions as to how is that happening? Because that doesn't seem to be a natural um, contact to contact spread. Um, and after having been victim of a bioweapon that got released from a lab, I think people have a lot to question. Yeah. I don't have any information on that. It just, yeah, we don't know what it is. It's, it's curious. Yeah. And yeah. you know, I, I was in high school and college when AIDS blew up and for a long time that it, it's, it seemed it was a disease that was primarily for gay men, but the, it, we never really came out with that in the media. They, they always tried to kind of hide that. And you wonder if the outcome would have been different. Had they just, you know, like we're always talking about we're science-based, we're science-based people, facts, this and that will give people the facts and let them do with that as they should. Now, is there a chance, are we in danger of this jumping? Like right now, it seems like it's mostly uh, gay men. I'm sorry. Is that, can you hear that ringing? I can. It's not me. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know where that's coming from. Anyway, um, are we in danger of this jumping and, and starting to infect like people in other ways? I don't know the answer to that. Um, I hope not. But again, I think not knowing and now having billions of people on the planet with compromised immune systems having received a shot, I think there's a lot of things that are yet to be observed. Okay. Yeah. So we just, we just don't know that much about it yet. Um, All right. So COVID is, like I said, I work in the medical community. COVID was the first time I've seen in my professional career in healthcare where it was a one-size-fits-all treatment for everybody, regardless of age, gender, uh, other health status, any other factors. Like, there's only one thing you can do: it's isolate and get vaccinated. I've never seen that before. Um, that's what it was. What consequences have we had in society because of that? And and will. What consequences have we had because of that? And do you think the the medical community has lost, permanently lost the trust of the American public? Yeah, um, I think that's number one, right? I call it corporate medicine because I don't affiliate with that label anymore. Corporate medicine has completely lost credibility. When you have a corporation that on one side has a financial gain of hundreds of thousands of dollars if people end up critically sick and in their hospital, and on the other hand, they're blocking treatment and telling their doctors, you can't do an early treatment. The mystery ringing, huh? Yeah. I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah. know where that's coming from. But, but they're telling people you can't do this, the, any kind of treatment or you will lose your job, but then they stand to gain financially. People can see through that. We know we're being gaslit. We know that what, what we're looking at right before our eyes is different than what we're hearing on the news and being told in press conferences. So that is broken. Healthcare is broken. So there is a permanent divide between like people like me and my colleagues who Keep, keep going. Okay. On one side of it, you've got people who are doing everything they can. They're looking for treatments. They're looking for ways to help their patients. They want to be creative with that and they want to help no matter what. And then you've got people on the other side of that who are saying, I'll follow what the government tells me. I want the liability protection. I'm just going to go along with what the hospital says because this is my job. And this is a result of the dumbing down of medicine and protocolized medicine. So the two groups will never come together again. That divide is permanent. 
and you've got insurance medicine versus direct pay medicine. I mean, it's just never going back to the way it was before. Yes. Thank you for talking through that, that disaster. I don't know what's going on there. I still haven't identified it. I'll, I'll edit all that out. It'll be fine. Um, I do know that myself and my family, we, we come from the medical community and we no longer trust the medical community because of all this. Like I would get the flu shot every year. I'd never thought twice about it. It's like, you know, the flu goes around and in some years you, I would get the flu anyway. Didn't really care. It's like, you should get this to protect your patients, so on and so forth. Yeah. I won't get it anymore. I didn't get it last year yeah. because not, not because anything bad ever happened, but because I no longer trust the people giving me the information. I trust some people. I trust you. I trust Dr. Corey. You know, I trust yeah. people who told me the truth mm-hmm. during the past two years. And unfortunately, I don't know if a lot of doctors out there are dumb and misinformed or don't do the research or if they're just cowardly. I don't know the answer, but I do not trust the medical community anymore. You know, and I've said that for a while. I don't know what is worse. A doctor who hasn't figured it out, right? That there's treatment and something more or a doctor who figured it out and tells patients, yeah, there's a medicine I can give you, but I'll lose my job. Like, I don't know which one of those is worse, Hmm. but I used to really give my colleagues a lot of credit. I used to respect their opinion a lot. And as an ICU doctor, I felt like everyone was always better informed than I was in their specialties and better call, you know, better doctors than I was. And now I'm looking around at people saying your diagnoses stink. You're doing, you're doing what I call knee-jerk medicine. If it's this, give that. Mm-hmm. You're not critically thinking about this. You're looking at something right before your eyes and you can't put two and two together, or you can't advocate for your patients. Like I have been so disheartened about my own field right now and the crisis that's happening there. That's been yeah. hard. Yeah. You, well, you know, there's, there's people who you, you respect and I'm sure, you know, uh, acquaintances, work acquaintances that, that you respect and you respect them because in the past, they're very smart people. They're very intelligent. They say things eloquently. They've impressed you in some way, but then you come to a situation like this where, where you really got to put your chips down on the table and you really see how people are. And the same thing, you know, you see that in the medical community, you can see that in all communities. You can see that amongst like our friends. Like we lost some friends because you find out when, when times get tough, well, here's the people who I can trust. Here's the people who have some intestinal fortitude and will stand for what's right, no matter what. And here's these other people. Yeah. And I I think we, we, as a nation, we've kind of divided into those two groups and it's, it's just more obvious than ever. Yeah. And what I don't want to happen is I don't want it to get divided between who got the shot and who didn't. I don't think that's a fair divide. I think a fair divide are the people who got it and say, if you didn't get it, you don't deserve to be in society. I think that's a group that just, yes, the viciousness, the viciousness of, yes, I want to, I think your kids should be held down and forcibly given this shot or removed from school. Like that's not an element in that I want in my community or around my child. Like that is not a, that's not a healthy person. That's not a safe person. That's not a person I can trust when push comes to shove. And there was a lot of that. There was a lot of that, especially out here, especially in medicine, especially yeah. in medicine. There were a lot of people that said, if you didn't do what I think you should do, you deserve to die. You should give up your bed. You're selfish. Um, I don't have any room for that. Everyone else though, if they got the shot and they thought it was the best thing for them, regardless of where that decision came from, they deserve kindness and compassion and treatment and to be welcomed, you know, into our movement to say, Hey, I got a shot, but I don't think this is right in the world. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to stand up. And that's kind of where the conference came from, right? You asked me at the beginning, why now, why in St. Louis, what was my inspiration? It was really two main things. One is I met these military. I've always been a fan of the military you know, treat them right. And I saw what was happening, but then I met the people who were on the front lines and who were being removed and to hear their stories really lit a fire. Um, So that's a unique bend I'm bringing to this conference is we're uniting doctors and military to, to talk about both of those, but also there needs to be room for our umbrella. And I started to see within the physician movement, a little bit of fracturing here and there because there's different organizations and different groups and different priorities and different levels of prominence, right? There are some people who have wide name recognition around the world. And there's people like me who, you know, my family knows who I am and that's good enough. So um, there's different levels of that. Mm -hmm. And 
different opinions and different controversies. And there are room for all of us under this umbrella if we're pushing back against tyranny. So um, I think people will see a lot of different views represented that don't all align. There are certainly people that are going to be on that stage I don't necessarily agree with in whole, but I think they're good people and I think they have interesting things to say and I want to be part of the fight with them. Yes, I want to be part of that fight with you as well. That's why I'm going. Um, I want, I look, med, freedom, liberty, the fight against tyranny, it's so important. It's so important. And we've been so blessed in this country for so long that people are, we're a little soft, we're a little lazy. Um, all you have to do is talk to somebody who either lived through World War II or somebody who emigrated here from a communist country to, understand why some people see this because they've had firsthand experience and we are not that insulated and protected here that what they experienced there could not happen here. It can, and we need to be vigilant. Um, medical freedom is a great place to start that fight. If people do want to go or get involved, Mm -hmm. where can they go? Yep. So go to our website. It's gateway, the number two freedom dot online gateway to freedom dot online. Um, it has our preliminary speaker lineup. There are some people who've confirmed. I've got a lot more that are still in the hopper, um, just waiting to see where they're going to be fired in the military. And if they can speak out, um, that'll be there. I can't announce yet. Um, we have room for sponsorships. So if, if there's a business out there that wants to connect with people who are fighting against this, uh, we would love to have them. Oh, great. But, how yeah. can how can they do that? Yep, same website. Um, they can email me. Um, it's Molly at Gateway to Freedom, M O L L I E at Gateway the number two freedom dot online. They can email me. Um, the tickets are only forty five dollars per day. That's on Friday and Saturday are the public events. Um, that includes lunch, and it'll be a good lunch. So um, I encourage people to get their tickets now. We do have room for a big crowd, so we're hoping for a sellout. We also have a parent summit that's going to be happening in parallel on Friday. Oh, great, great. Yeah. So for people who really need to advocate for their kids and get those arguments handy. And is this going to be about um, protecting kids' rights in schools, like if they don't want to be vaccinated? Yes, it'll be. Oh, yeah. Parents get get to that. Like, that's the fight we're in out here in California. Like, we've already predetermined if they are going to force our children to be vaccinated to go to school. Well, we're moving. We've already bought a house in Florida. If we have to do it, we will. I know so many parents who are concerned with that. So at this conference, you will be addressing that. You're going to be giving parents the words. Is that correct? Yes. We have a group of pediatricians. Dr. Kirk Milhone is um, a pediatric cardiologist with a PhD in inflammatory conditions of the heart. He's going to be talking about myocarditis. um, And they're going to be talking about how to defend your children. Again, this is all a call to action, right? It doesn't do any good to come together and just whine about the condition of things. We want people have action steps when they get home that Sunday, things that they can do to start impacting their own communities. Fantastic. Fantastic. Dr. Dr. Molly James, thank you for your time. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for your personal sacrifice. People go to the conference, get educated, come back from it, call your school board, take some action. Let's make positive change. Like people like Dr. Molly are out there trying to do. All right. Thank you so much, doctor. Thanks. Thanks for having me. See you in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye. Okay. Thank you. Let me know if you need anything for travel. Okay. All right. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye.